Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you here again on this Advent Sunday, uh, chilly morning. Great to see you here, and those of you who are worshipping with us in person, and those of you who are joining us online, you're also very, very welcome. Uh, so as I say, it is um, the first Sunday of the Advent season today. Uh, it's actually 27 days until Christmas. So for some of you, that, uh, that statistic fills you with dread uh, of all the things that you have to do, all the things that you uh, haven't done yet and haven't begun. Um, but for some of you, uh, that is seeming too long. You're probably thinking, oh, I wish it wasn't 27 days. I wish it was just two days or one day. I wish it was tomorrow. Um, but however you're feeling about uh, the day itself of Christmas and all the festivities, um, the time of Advent is a time of waiting and a time of looking back to Jesus coming at Christmas time, at that first Christmas. Looking back with wonder, looking back uh, with praise and with thankfulness. But it's also a time of looking forward, a time of looking forward to uh, Christ coming again and that wonderful promise that one day he will come again. <clears throat> and the prophet Isaiah was someone who was very prepared uh, for that first Christmas. He wrote about Jesus coming 700 years or so before uh, the event itself. And this verse from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, he says this, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. So let's pray that as we come into this Advent season and as we focus on Christ's coming, that we will welcome him in our hearts. Let's pray. God of all hope and joy, open our hearts in welcome that your son Jesus Christ at his coming may find in us a dwelling prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And uh, we are going to have our reading now from uh, Psalm 132, um, which Debbie's going to bring to us. Today's reading is from Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord. A dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephrathah. We came upon it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your faithful people shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their son shall sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people shall ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David, and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head shall be adorned with a radiant crown. 
Thank you to Debbie uh, for bringing us that reading today. So we continue on this journey as we continue through these Psalms uh, of Ascent. Um, this is the journey of um, the long obedience. This is, uh, over the last number of weeks that we've travelled through these Psalms, we've posed a number of questions of what abides in you? What is the thing that kind of gets you up in the morning? What, what is it that abides in you, that stays, that lingers with you? That this Creator God is the one who desires um, to guard our steps today. We posed that question early on, actually, what captures your gaze? Remember, early in these Psalms, there was that question, if I lift up my eyes to the hills, um, that, that sense that our gaze is captured, those moments of breathtaking beauty of nature around us. But what captures your gaze? What makes you stop on your tracks and go, wow, wow? We consider that it's His presence becomes our deepest desire. It's that moment that things start to look up. Whenever His presence is with us and it becomes our deepest desire, things begin to look up. But those past events that He has been with us for, and we bring them into our present, and hope rises. We sow hope as a new seed within us. We allow it to germinate. We water it. We feed it. And as that hope rises within us, it affects the people around us, because then they begin to see that our house, our, our lives are built on something different. Because we had that psalm, didn't we, where it said, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And we saw that God is in the depths and in the heights. He's consistently and constantly with us. His stick to is amazing. And so we join this psalm 132 today. Uh, and this is, uh, in one sense, this psalm almost appears as if it's simply repetitive of what has come before it. There's always intentionality in that whenever the scriptures repeat something that has come before them. Uh, there's a sense that the Lord wants to say, you need to get this. Uh, you're not quite catching it. So you need to hear it again. Remember, these are the songs that they sang on the way up to Jerusalem uh, annually on this pilgrimage. And so then to repeat it in such a short space of time must mean actually that there's something in it that they need, the nation of Israel needed to consistently hear. And if it was true for them, then it is true for us. If I was to pose a question today of uh, what does being a Christian mean to you? I wonder how you would answer that. You'd probably all answer that in a different way. But fundamentally, we may all mean the same thing. Sometimes we have different ways of expressing what it means to come to a living saving faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we express that that happens uh, overnight. It's instantaneous. Other times that happens over uh, a period of time. But somewhere in our journey of faith, there is a moment where we recognize and realize that we can't do life on our own, that we need Jesus, that we need what he offers. 
to us and for us. What about praying? What about trusting? How do we answer those questions in the depths of our everyday lives? Because often we lean into God, we cry out to Him, as we heard last week, we cry out to Him only when it suits us. Oh no, James, that's not me. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I do it all the time. In one sense, we're probably all guilty of that at some stage in our life, aren't we? Where we kind of forget to have those conversations with God and then something big happens in our lives and all of a sudden we're back in that place where we're kneeling before Him and we're seeking Him back into our lives. It usually happens whenever everything's gone pear-shaped. Look at first one of... Uh, Psalm 132, O Lord, remember David and all the hardships that he had to endure. This psalm starts with recalling the hardships of the greatest king that they'd ever known. This psalm starts with recalling the fact that the people of God cry out to him whenever everything else goes pear-shaped. If you read the Old Testament, consistently one of the returning phrases throughout the pages of the Old Testament is, yet again, the nation of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. (laughs) Because they traveled with God whenever he had done something for them, like splitting the Red Sea. And then they travel with God and they remember that. And then time passes and they forget his faithfulness and they forget about him. And then something big happens the nation of Israel are in their lives and all of a sudden they come back and they cry out to God, oh God, where have you been? Why have you left me? Why have you forsaken us? And that's the moment where it says, yet again, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They have forgotten about who God is and all that he has done for them. So humanly, say this with all the grace that I can muster, don't feel too guilty about forgetting about the Lord as long as you remember to come back. See, this psalm, this psalm teaches us something very important for our everyday lives today. See, verse 2 says, He swore an oath to the Lord and He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will not, I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. The psalmist was utterly 100% determined that he was going to put things right with God. Nothing else was going to matter to him until he got himself in that place where he knew that he was in a right relationship with his God. Here we have David calling the faithfulness of the God of Jacob into his present situation. We sang that, didn't we? All through history, you were faithful. We did a little action with the footsteps on our palms of our hands a few minutes ago. Remember a few weeks ago we said that we need to call his past faithfulness into our present situation. 
That, that, that's what the Scriptures are teaching us, that the nation of Israel remembers those times, those high points in their lives, whenever God has been really good to them, whenever they have been walking closely with Him. And then they, they rely on those moments whenever things are going pear-shaped and becoming really difficult. They call those moments back in. They sing about them. They remember them. They tell their children about them. Uh, and I almost imagine some of the Israelites talking to themselves about them. But this journey of faith is one of a sure and steady. It's a consistent one. And that's okay. If we are consistent, we don't always have to run at 100 miles an hour. If we're slow and steady and consistent in the journey with God, a long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson calls it. A long obedience in the same direction. I remember a while ago we had a, um, a springer um, called Archie, uh, liver and white, lovely dog. Um, we got him whenever I was a curate in the parish of Marlin, um, rescued at 10 months old, um, walked him on the lead, got him to know me. He got to know all the things you do whenever you get a rescue dog at 10 months. I remember the first day that I let him off the lead in Lurgan Park. Have you ever been to Lurgan Park? It's quite a big park, a big massive lake in the middle of it. I was knackered. Chasing after a springer. He wouldn't come back. He just, he, he just went. He, he, just, he just went. Top speed, three hedges, briars, everything. And I'm trying to chase after him. Until eventually I could see this lovely older couple um, giggling away down the path a bit. Um, and then they obviously had heard me shouting his name so much that they called his name and he went over and sat down beside them. Oh, I, of course she would. They got the hold of him. I got the hold of him. Put him back on the lead. Now, whenever I went back to the park the next day with the dog, fear and trepidation, did I let him off the lead because of my experience the previous day? What, what did I do? And actually, that's what holds us back in our relationship with God, isn't it? It's that experience. Sometimes we say, oh, no, that's happened to me before. I can't do that. Or I prayed that prayer and God didn't quite answer it the way I expected it to be answered. So I'm not sure whether I should keep praying because he doesn't really answer prayers in those ways. And so we use our past experiences sometimes in a negative way. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, actually, that we should, the past experience of God, the faithfulness of God, we call into our present so we can use it in a powerful way to take another step on the journey. After many weeks and months, <laughs> it was weeks and months of letting that dog off in the park, uh, and many hours spent, um, we got him in November, it was freezing, um, as well, all the way through the new year. Um, eventually, um, I didn't even have to speak for the dog to come back to me. Um, somebody who trains those as gun dogs told me if I used hand signals, it worked better. So he came back to hand signals. But that was a long journey, and there was a lot of obedience training in that. And actually, sometimes our Christian journey with God is quite similar. It feels really long and hard, and it can be cold some days. But it is about obedience. And sometimes obedience means that we have to do things that we don't feel like doing in that moment. But we know we need to do them anyway. 
That's why this, the Psalms are encouraging us that this journey of faith should not be filled with moments of stretching for God defined only by the hardships of life. This is a long, steady, gradual growth, a going deeper over a period of time shaped and fashioned by the life that we live in the here and the now. This means that our lives are not evaluated by our current experiences. Because if we allow our lives to be evaluated by our current experience, then we're either ecstatically happy all of the time, or we're really grumpy all of the time. And we find it hard to have the balance in the middle. And that's why we don't go with the whim of our emotions in this journey of faith. In this journey of faith, we go with the faithfulness of God, the obedience that he calls us to in order that we continue the journey. Verse 6 says, We heard it in Epapha. We came upon it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to the dwelling place. Let us worship at the footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with righteousness and may your saints sing for joy. That's actually what marks the nation of Israel out from us as we see how this can apply to our lives today. For the nation of Israel to be in the presence of God, they had to journey to where the ark of the Lord was. For them, that was God's symbol of his presence. And the ark of God was contained in the holies of holies in the temple at Jerusalem. We know because of what Christ has done on the cross for us, the temple, the curtain temple was torn in two. And that's opportunity and availability to be in his presence is right here, right now. And that's what marks us out as New Testament believers from Old Testament believers. It's the presence of God with us no matter where we are. See, calling his past faithfulness into our present does more than just tell a story. Because actually that's what was in danger of. Whenever we recount those stories of God's past faithfulness for us and to us, we could just tell stories. But it's more than that. Because whenever you recall the faithfulness of a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as the writer of Hebrews says, whenever you call that faithfulness into your present situation, you're asking for the power of the Most High, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings to be present with you. And that is more than just telling a story. That is the most powerful act that you can be involved in in your journey of faith. Otherwise, we just could be accused of having a defective memory. A defective memory that says, God was really good to me way back then. (laughs) So really, I suppose I need to start all over again now. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He has always been with you. This isn't about looking back with rose-tinted glasses 
and saying, oh, back in those absolute golden days. No. This is about remembering with a dose of reality that the God that we worship is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, what he has done in the past, he can do today. It's in this kind of environment that hope grows. Hope grows in this kind of environment. Because whenever we do that powerful act of calling his faithfulness into our present, whenever we realize that this is not just storytelling, that this is inviting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be present with us and to do what he can do, to do what he, only he can do. That's the kind of environment where hope grows. Hope that is, hope that is not, that this is all that there is. Hope that the Lord can change the situation. Hope that gives wings to this obedience that we're called to have. And obedience keeps us going in the right direction, doesn't it? This means that as a believer, we don't become stuck like statues. Stuck in the past. But we also don't leave about like headless chickens. Fleeting here, there, and everywhere to the next big experience that we can possibly have. We remain steady and resolute, firm and hopeful. Whenever we slow down, and I use that intentionally, whenever we slow down to be obedient, we shine brightly in a world of the instantaneous. And that's whenever we can say, the Lord has been good to me. He remains faithful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are with us. Lord, in this moment, help us to see you more clearly. In this moment, help us to call who you are and what you have done for us and the faithfulness of the past right into our present situation. And allow hope to be planted and sown, nurtured and grown in our lives, individually and collectively as a church. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and thank you for um, joining us this morning. We um, close with this blessing. Father, as we go forth from this service in church, strengthen us for service in the world, that the words that we have heard and said and sung may find expression in our daily life and work to the glory of your holy name. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Amen.